calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Listening to episode 15 of Owner's Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the Solar Clipper, written and read by Nathan Lowell. Chapter 33, Diurnia System, December 28, 2372. Most of the afternoon was gone by the time we got out to operational range. My hope was that leaving Miss Arione to show Miss Maloney the robes would give them a chance to bond. I could only imagine what Miss Maloney must have felt about having to spend a stanier in what amounted to forced labor. It had to have galled a woman with a life of her own to have her own father demand she give it up to claim the family inheritance. A more troubling idea was the growing conviction that there was not much I could teach this woman. She was hurt and angry, but contained it well. She appeared self-assured, well-read, and highly intelligent. The more I saw of the woman, the less I thought that lessons about respect and duty might apply. I went to the chiller and poked about until I found a pack of chops that looked likely and let my mind chew on the problem unattended while I focused on dinner. About 1720, Chief Bailey came up for coffee just as I slipped a tray of biscuits into the oven. He didn't seem terribly surprised to find me puttering in the galley. You let him drive, Cap. You brave or just crazy? He cackled. Well, Miss Arione is a good ship handler, and it's a good opportunity for her to get a feel for this one. I left her training Miss Maloney. Aye, Cap, aye. Nothing teaches you what you don't know, like trying to teach somebody else. Now does it? No, it don't. He drew a mug of fresh coffee off and leaned against the counter for a moment to enjoy it. How's she doing back there, Chief? Any problems? He shook his head and pursed his lips. Nah, she's purring right along, she is. A few's actors tight, and the generators are right happy to be pulling the ship, I think I really do. How's the Burleson drive look? He shrugged and took time for another sip before answering. I got the impression he was thinking it over. No way to really tell without jumping, huh? But kind of painful if it ain't quite right, ain't it? Darn right it is, he shrugged. They look all right. Nothing's burned. It seems like they'll work. Thanks, Chief. You think of anything you need back there? He looked down, his brow furrowed. Nothing I can think of at the moment, but I'll keep my eyes open. I surely will. He ambled back off the mess deck and headed aft again. While the potatoes boiled, I crossed the passageway to the cabin and synced my tablet to the display there before returning to the mess deck. While the chops broiled, I used the synced tablet to troll for outgoing cargo. In less than a day, we'd returned to port, and I wanted to be outbound as soon as I could find a cargo to carry. My first pass through the cargo listing took a long time, because I kept having to check on the chops and because I was looking for something different. 
After almost a stanier on the Agamemnon, I knew where to look for cans. What I needed for Iris was palleted or containered cargo. Even loose cargo would do if we could get it nailed down to the deck. The parameters were much looser than I was used to, so the search was a little more difficult. Nothing jumped out at me before I had to retrieve the chops and pull the biscuits out of the oven. With some peas, it would make a nice dinner. We had ice cream for dessert if anybody wanted some. It wasn't the most auspicious meal, but it was a shakedown cruise after all. At 17.50, I went up to the bridge to find Ms. Maloney in the command chair with her hands on the handles, her eyes on the crosshairs, and a look of intense concentration on her face. How's it going? Hi, Skipper. I've given Ms. Maloney here the basic rundown, and she's trying her hand at helm. Ms. Maloney glanced up at me with a small smile and then went back to trying to balance the crosshairs. So I see. I nodded at them both, although I'm pretty sure only Ms. Arione saw. I came to tell you that dinner's almost ready. If you'd like to come down and eat, we'll put it on auto for a few ticks and split up the night watches. Then we can settle in for a nice little sail. You'll have to show us how to engage the autopilot on this one, Skipper. The course is all laid in. See that tab on the screen? I pointed to the spot in question. Open that up and engage the autopilot. Ms. Maloney followed my instructions, and when she sat back in her seat, the ship was sailing herself. Normally, whoever has the watch would slave their tablet to this console, I said, and then they could see whatever was on the console from anywhere in the ship. As it is, we'll rely on the proximity alarms and go get some dinner. Somebody will be back here in less than a stand, and nobody's around us for at least three stands in any direction. Ms. Maloney nodded, and I could see Ms. Arione drinking it in. Let's go eat, then. Dinner's ready. I turned and headed down the ladder to the galley and saw Chief Bailey coming up the passageway from engineering. Just in time, Chief. Dinner is served. So, Ms. Maloney, how do you like sailing? I asked by way of conversation starter as we settled in to eat. She shook her head. I had no idea anything so boring could be so interesting. She stopped as if replaying in her mind what she just said aloud. That's not exactly what I meant to say. She colored a bit. We all laughed. Zarioni turned to her. It's as good an explanation as I've ever heard. Don't worry about it. It's boring, I agreed, but there's something oddly engaging, too. Ms. Arione, how did you like it? Not exactly Agamemnon, is she? No, she's not, Skipper, but compared to her, the Agamemnon sails like a boulder. The difference is astonishing. Okay, well, my plan is to go back in tomorrow morning and dock in the commercial section around 1100. I hope to have a cargo by then and will only be in port overnight, assuming I can get a cargo loaded in that amount of time. I'm planning on a run to Jet, but if some other port looks likely, we'll go there instead. Watches, Captain? Ms. Arione asked. I'm thinking we'll do six and six tonight, Ms. Arione. You've got the duty until midnight. Ms. Maloney and I will relieve you then, and after breakfast in the morning we'll head back in. Sounds good, Skipper, Ms. Arione said. Ms. Maloney, you understand what we're going to be doing? I do, Captain, yes. Good. Now, if nobody wants that last job... Dinner mess went well, and I shooed Ms. Arione off to the bridge, and Ms. Maloney off to her bunk with a warning... Midwatches are tough, Miss Maloney. We've been up all day, and there's not much time to sleep. And then we're going to be sitting around, not doing much, but needing to stay awake. Try to get as much sleep as you can, but set your tablet to wake you at 2330. We'll relieve the watch at 2345. I understand, Captain. Her face carried a serious expression, but it was less the cool aloofness she'd exhibited before than the look of a woman about to engage in something important. I took that as a good sign. With them gone, the chief kept me company while I cleaned the kitchen. I threw him a towel and made him dry the pots and pans while the dishwasher made short work of the rest. It only took a half a stand, and by 1930 it was all done. Thanks, chief. He grinned. Just like old times, Cap, just like old times. 
This should work out, I think. Yes, I do. What will you do with your evening, Chief? He shook his head. I still got stuff needs clean and stuff needs fixing. Don't worry about me, Cap. I can entertain myself. I can. I grinned and headed for my bunk, setting my tablet to wake me at 2320 and stripping down to boxers before slipping between the luxurious sheets. My last thought before the tablet bit me awake was that the mattress and linens were a great investment. On waking, I wished the temptation to stay in bed were not quite so attractive. A quick splash in the head helped dust off my brain cells, and I zipped up my ship suit in time to make a fresh pot of coffee before relieving the watch. While I was there, I took a good look at how much of the Moscow morning blend was left and made a promise to myself that I'd visit my friend at Light City before we headed out to wherever we were going. While the coffee dripped, I climbed the ladder to the bridge to see how Miss Arione was making out. She met me with a smile. Skipper, this is such a sweet ship. I chuckled a little. I'm glad you like her, Miss Arione. Is there something in particular that makes you say that? We came up on a waypoint about two stands ago, and you know how much trouble they can be. She paused to look over at me. I do indeed, Miss Arione. Well, I previewed the course when I came on watch, so I knew it was there, sir. I figured I'd have to do some course corrections, but she just tracked right around to our new course with only that little beep it gives when you reach a waypoint. She looked at me and squinted. You knew it would do that, didn't you, sir? I suspected, Miss Arione. These smaller ships have a better control profile because of the sail-to-mass ratios. The bigger ones will actually track, too, but the period of destabilization is longer, and they all have helmsmen who can correct it faster. I'm glad to have it confirmed. Sar, she looked at me out of the corner of her eyes. How are you going to keep it? The ship? She nodded. Yes, sir. I don't know, Miss Arione. Just keep doing the best I can and try to find an investor before the note comes due. Do you have any contingency plans, sir? Well, with the ship refurbished, if we can show a nice balance sheet and that it's actually a worthwhile vessel, we could probably sell it for two or three times what we paid for it. That would let me settle the note, buy out the investors, and be ahead enough to buy the next ship. Would you do that, sir? Last resort, Miss Arione. We're not down and out yet, and I like this odd duck of a ship. It's different. I've heard of them before. It seems like there was something about them when they first came out, but the design never caught on. I looked around the bridge. For a family ship, this is awkward, so maybe that's it. Awkward, sir. Yes, the Damians and Unwins have a kind of living room bridge. It's really large, with room for sofas and easy chairs. You could throw a party on that bridge and have room for a five-piece band. I waved my hand around. This is like a digibooth or something. Even with just the two of us in it, it seems crowded by comparison. I suspect a family might have a problem looking at this as a viable alternative. She frowned and looked around the bridge. I see what you mean, sir. Interesting. I eyed the chronometer on her display and gave her a little wave. Coffee should be done. I'm going to go get a cup and see if Miss Maloney is up. I'm up, sir. Her voice came from the ladder, and I heard her footfalls coming up. I only brought one coffee, though. She smiled apologetically. Oh, good. Uh, Miss Arione, would you walk Miss Maloney through the change of watch routine and get her logged on? I'm going to go grab my coffee. You bet, Skipper. When Ms. Maloney cleared the ladder, I dropped down to the mess deck and filled a cup with fresh coffee, taking the time to smell it before I sipped. I looked around. The mess deck was dim with subdued night cycle lighting, and I sighed. I hated the thought of turning around and selling it, but if I needed to, it was a viable alternative. I headed back up the ladder and thought of my father and remembered him saying, duty calls. All set, Skipper. She's got the con. Thank you, Miss Arione. Go grab some sleep while you can. Breakfast at 0600, and I'm going to need you back up here for a stand or two in the morning. Aye, aye, Skipper. See you in six. She clattered down the ladder and was gone. 
I crossed to the captain's chair and hoisted myself into it without spilling my coffee. We sat there quietly for a few ticks, sipping. Miss Maloney tried to keep her eyes on the console, but kept looking out at the stars all around us. The orb of Diurnia wasn't that far off our starboard side, although our current orientation we were looking down on the north pole of the planet, and if we watched long enough we'd see the orbital circle all the way around it without ever being occluded. It made a pretty picture. Is this all we do, Captain? Her gently modulated alto sounded a bit amused. Sitting behind her and in the dim light, I couldn't really get a feel for her expression. Ideally, Miss Maloney, except for the very beginning, the very end, and the jump in the middle, we like it boring. Why is that, Captain? Because as long as it's boring, then there's a good chance we won't die. She turned to look at me, and the chair swiveled with her. She studied my face for a while. You're serious? Not always, but in this case, yes. So far, I've managed to avoid the dying part. After you've had a few watches that aren't boring, boredom feels good. She swiveled to look at the screen, and her eyes were drawn back to the console. So, now what? We spend the next six stands looking out the window, sir? Well, technically, they're called ports, but basically. This is a midwatch, so we have something special to do, though. She looked over her shoulder at me. I've been aboard long enough to know I'm going to hate the answer to this question, but what's that, Captain? Clean. She laughed. It was a good sound. I should have seen that one coming, Captain, but how can we clean in the dark? Good point. And all the other bridges I've been on have had more than enough light from the various displays to clean by. We'll just have to turn on a light. As small as this place is, it won't take us too long. I put my cup in the holder beside my seat and stood. Sit tight. I'll go get some gear. Less than five ticks later, I dragged a broom, swab, a bucket of soapy water, and a bucket of rags and sponges up over the ladder. She frowned and jumped up to help me untangle the swab handle from the ladder railing. You weren't kidding. No, I wasn't kidding, Miss Maloney. It helps pass the time, and it makes it nicer to work in when it's clean. I flicked on a couple of lights and looked around. The extra lighting made the armor glass slightly reflective and showed every greasy finger and handprint. Built-up cruft lined the corners and edges, and the seats all needed sprucing up. It's a good thing we've got all watch, Captain, Miss Maloney commented, her head turning slowly in survey. Look on the bright side, Miss Maloney. After this, the next mid-watch will be much easier, and on this one, you'll have me to help. She rolled up the sleeves on her ship suit. It's a good point, Captain. She grabbed a rag and dunked it in the hot water. Looking around again, she added... A very good point. In the end, even as dirty as it was, we did all we could do with it in just under two stands. It was too small for it to take any longer than that. I was glad we'd traded out the consoles because the new ones didn't need much attention. Ms. Maloney took the first load of cleaning gear down and grabbed coffee, and when she came back, I took the rest. By the time I got back, she'd secured the extra lighting and settled at the console, her nose stuck in her coffee mug. We sipped in silence, waiting for our eyes to readjust to the reduced lighting. Why Sar, Sar? she asked quietly. Why Sar, Miss Maloney? Why the word Sar? Why not sir or ma'am? The official line is that the service wanted one gender-neutral word. Every officer, male or female, can be addressed politely as Sar. Not terribly gender-neutral, is it, Sar? Her dry tone evaporated the remaining wetness from the console in front of her. No, not terribly, Miss Maloney. Personally... I think somebody typoed in the original manual, and by the time they discovered it, they needed to make up a good story to explain it. I heard her chuckle. Why do you want me to study for a rating, Captain? It's a good way to learn your job, and it helps with the boredom. What's the point, really? I only need to keep this job for a stanier, and then I can go back to my life. 
There was a hint of bitterness there. Well, that's true, but a stanier is a long time. You'll get about 14 or 15 trips in. I realize that you'll learn more from your investment income than you will here, but where else would you see this? I looked out the ports at the stars. I saw her head turn as she scanned around. True. I thought I heard a grudging acceptance in her tone. You don't have to study if you don't want to. You don't have to do very much except help out around the ship and keep your bridge watches. What do you mean, help out around the ship, Captain? Just that, Miss Maloney. We're a small crew here, more family than crew, and we'll rely on each other more, not less, because there's only the four of us. There was a pause while she digested that. Why did you agree to take me on, Captain? I needed crew, Miss Maloney. Actually, Captain, I looked it up. You only need an engineer. You're not required to maintain a bridge watch on any ship under ten metric kilotons. She paused and turned her chair to look at me. So why the charade? No charade. I'm perfectly aware that I don't need to have a crew, that I can run the ship from the mess deck or my cabin as easily as I can from the bridge. Well, mostly. Maneuvering near the orbital really does require line of sight. Then why, Captain? Because those rules make me nervous. I don't like the idea of not having a bridge watch, somebody to just be awake on board in case something happens. What if something happens? What then, sir? Then you call for help. That's the first rule of watch standing. If it's outside your expertise, something that shouldn't be there, nothing you know how to deal with, yell. Yell loud, yell long, and yell until somebody comes along. We sat there for a time, drinking coffee, sailing along in the dark. So why did you take me on, Captain? Assuming I buy your explanation about wanting a bridge watch, why me? I don't know. She spun around again to look at me. You don't know? I don't know. She stared at me, incredulity visible even in the reduced light. I mean, I'd like to say it was because I had such a vast respect to your father, and if somebody outside the company had to take you under his wing, then I'd do it to repay him, etc., etc. But no, she asked. No. Your father did okay by me. I'd be the first to admit it. But he hired me to be a stocking goat and threw me into the William Tinker. That was fifteen stanniers ago when I was right out of the academy. He didn't pick me for my native wit and intelligence or my skill and knowledge. And if it was because of my placement in the graduating class, it was because I wasn't near the top of it. He didn't pick you because you're stupid, Captain. My father doesn't, didn't, suffer fools at all. At the time, he told me a lot of nice things about the kind of third mate he was looking for and that Commandant Chagon had recommended me. It felt good at the time, but I was young and foolish then, Miss Maloney. You're not now, Captain? I'm not young now, Miss Maloney. I'm still foolish, but I'm learning to work around it, I hope. She smiled, I think, in spite of herself. I think part of it is certainly a sense of debt. Kirsten Kingsley wouldn't have arranged to have the ship declared scrap so the price would be low enough that I could actually get it. We never shook any hands or made any deals, but she blew enough smoke up my skirt to make me think I should. But no, I didn't do it for your father. I think maybe I might have done it for the company, not the stockholders and management, but for the other ships and crews, for all the people that the new CEO will be important to. You thought you could teach me whatever it is he wanted me to learn. That's up for grabs, Miss Maloney. I still don't know what that is, so it's a bit of an obstacle. Then why? I sipped my coffee, trying to think of a diplomatic way to put it. Because I know the other companies around, and I didn't want you to go to any of them for a stanier, and then come back to run DST. But why, Captain? Because I don't trust their motives. 
There'd be a serious temptation to take you, wrap you in cotton wool, set you on a shelf for a stanier, and then send you back. I'm not saying you'd sit still for that, but if it happened, you'd go back to the company and either decide it was stupid and let it go public, sell it off piecemeal, or make some other decision based on the bad information you got from the competitor with a vested interest in bringing DST down. Aren't you one of DST's competitors now? Doesn't that argument apply to you? I shook my head. It might, but no. I don't compete with DST. DST has a niche. Bulk cargo, local region. Yeah, there's a couple of fast packets in the fleet, but I wouldn't wonder if they weren't there just to provide transport for your father. Well, that's not far from the truth. So, I don't see myself as a competitor in any sense of the word, and I also have an interest in seeing that the next CEO is at least as savvy as the last. It's not a fiscal interest, but more of a desire to see that those I left behind there are well taken care of. And you're not going to wrap me in cotton wool and set me on a shelf, are you, Captain? No, Miss Maloney. You're going to work right alongside Miss Arioni and me. We're going to haul cargo until I get a handle on passengers, and then we'll haul them, too. It's going to be a scramble, and I'm probably not going to make it, but you'll be right here with us. If what your father wanted you to learn can be learned by being a spacer, then you'll learn it, because, Miss Maloney, as soon as you signed the articles, you became a spacer. I almost smacked myself in the head for saying that. I couldn't even imagine how many times I'd said I wasn't a spacer. I sighed inwardly at my own stupidity. What if I buy you, Captain? Buy me, Miss Maloney. We're going back to Diurnia in a few stands. I can arrange to give you more than enough credit to hire a replacement for me. I can hole up for Stanier, and in the end, you just tell him I was aboard. I looked at her and smiled. You could, Miss Maloney, but I don't think so. You've got too much integrity. You don't know that, Captain. I looked at her carefully, backlit by the light from the consoles behind her, just limbed by the light from Diurnia's primary. There was steel there. It glinted in her eyes. Maybe not, Miss Maloney, but you're not going to back down, I don't think. Back down? From what, Captain? From the challenge, Miss Maloney. She settled back in her seat, and it was only that slight movement that made me realize she'd been leaning forward. I could see her thinking about it, and the console beeped behind her. She swung around and read the message. What's a waypoint, Captain? It's a bend in the road, Miss Maloney. We're about to take a turn to port and start back toward Diurnia, so we'll be in position for a run into the docks in the morning. What do I need to do? Mind your helm, Miss Maloney. The autopilot on this ship should handle it nicely. It'll swing us about to the new course, probably overshoot it, and then come back on the beam. Watch your steering and let the ship handle it unless it deviates from what I just told you. Okay, sir. The correct response is aye, aye, Miss Maloney. Aye, aye, sir. The counter ticked over, and the stars outside the ports slewed around and tilted up as we came about to the new heading. The ship overshot the course change, but a minor correction saw us on the beam within a tick. Very good, Miss Maloney. I didn't do anything, Captain. Yes, and learning when not to act is an important lesson, Miss Maloney. She gave me a glance over her shoulder at that. I think there was a smile involved. Now let me turn the tables, if I may, Miss Maloney. She turned back to me. I reserve the right not to answer, she said with a grin. That's fair, Miss Maloney. I paused and looked at her closely. Why are you here? Because I have to be in order to inherit controlling interest in the company. Yes, Miss Maloney, but why? If you take second prize, you still wind up filthy rich, and you can do what you like. She sighed. True, Captain. But DST is mine, and I want it. That sounds a little callous, but there's been a Maloney running the company for over a century. 
My dear departed chauvinist bastard of a father thinks that it's no career for a woman, especially not his little girl. Her grin showed teeth. I'm not about to let that stand without a fight. I reached out to offer my hand. Welcome aboard, Miss Maloney. Her grip was firm, smooth, and warm. Chapter 34, Diurnia Orbital, December 29, 2372. The run back to Diurnia was smooth as glass and we docked on the commercial side just before noon. My big problem was cargo. It made no sense to run anywhere empty, but the available cargoes were too big or weren't worth enough for us to bother with. I needed a brainstorm and it wasn't coming, so I did the only logical thing. I made lunch. With little time before noon, I tossed together another salad, laid out a platter of cut meats and cheeses, and added a loaf of thin-sliced crusty bread. It wasn't a great lunch, but it got us to the table. As we settled in to eat, I outlined the issues and looked around. Skipper, when you were picking cargoes on the Agamemnon, Mr. Wyatt and Mr. Hill were both looking all the time, weren't they? I know on the run into Breakall, we sat there on the mess deck by the stand, just scanning and scanning. You're right and I bet the smaller cargoes go faster because there are more of the Unwin and Damien 8s, so we have to be faster. I turned to the chief. Can we get the big screen mounted up here in the bulkhead this afternoon? Oh, aye, Cap, I meant to do that for this. I did. Right after lunch. That'll be next. It will. Thanks, chief. And the door in my shower fell off? Any chance you could see to that this afternoon? Shower door, Cap. Oh, hinges fall off the stall today. I think so, chief. Will do, Cap. Right after the screen. Right then. If you two want or need to go ashore, I'll declare liberty until ten hundred tomorrow. With any luck, we'll have cargo by then, and if not, I'll extend it. Miserioni nodded. Thanks, Skipper. You won't leave the ship, will you? No, Miserioni. I'm tired of having my photo appear in unfortunate places. Saying that made me think of something else. Miss Maloney, do we need to deal with your security? She shook her head. No, Captain, but thank you for asking. While we're here on Diurnia, I'll be staying aboard as well, I think. That last photo was too close. When we get someplace where I'm not known, I should be fine, especially if I go ashore in a ship suit with Maitland on it. Very well, Miss Maloney. I looked around the table. Well, let's get this cleared up, then. I turned to the chief. I'll make fresh coffee if you'll get that screen mounted. He bounded up out of his chair. You drive a hard bargain, Cap, hard indeed, but I like the way you work. I do. He grinned and stumped out, heading for engineering stores. Lunch mess dissolved, and it pleased me to see Miss Arione and Miss Maloney working together to clean up and stow the leftover meats while I made the coffee. Miss Maloney was not living up to any of the unfortunate expectations I had when I first met her. I snorted to myself as I realized that Miss Arione hadn't exactly turned out to be who I thought she was either. I smiled with a feeling, pleased to have been wrong on both counts. I needed to think of something nice to make for dinner since I'd have time, and I knew there'd be at least the two of us aboard. In half a dozen ticks, the chief came back with a video screen, still in his box, and a holstered driver on his hip. He fiddled about a bit, found the power leads he wanted, mounted some brackets on the bulkhead, and applied power to the unit. Altogether, he kept us amused for less than half a stand as the three of us finished putting the galley to rights. Okay, Cap, there's your screen, although I'm still not clear how you're going to use it. I'm not at all, at all. I grinned and grabbed the screen's remote control, turning it on and setting the input stream to the same settings we'd used at the Lagrange point. I took a seat at the table, facing the screen, and placed my tablet in front of me. Within half a tick, the screen on my tablet was displaying on the bulkhead. Well, I'll be switched. The chief seemed genuinely impressed. I'd never have guessed that banging thing would work like that, would I? No, I sure wouldn't. 
While he marveled, I pulled up the cargo availability list and ran a couple of queries to show the cargo smaller than 900 cubic meters and under 5 metric kilotons, sorted them by delivery value. I sent the tablet to refresh the query once a tick. The list wasn't empty, but nothing showed a priority tag and could just as easily be delivered by a mixed cargo freighter. I looked up from my work to find the chief pulling on a mug of coffee from the urn and admiring the view on the bulkhead. He gave his head a kind of twist and said, I gotta hand it to you, Cap. That's right clever, it is. Thanks, Chief. On the Agamemnon, we had something like this, except it had its own dedicated console and a wireless keyboard that we could use from the table. Ms. Arione, who'd alighted in one of the other chairs, nodded in agreement. That really was very slick, Captain, and I loved the movie nights. I smiled at her. She'd only barely gotten situated aboard before it all changed on her again. I marveled at her flexibility and resilience because I felt exhausted. The chief still stood there, staring at the screen, when I suggested, Chief, the shower in the cabin needs some of your magic. Oh, right you are, Cap, right you are. He filled his cup again and took it with him, shambling across the passage and into the cabin. Captain Cargo, Ms. Arione pointed to the screen, and I turned to see a ton of computer parts bound for Dre get claimed. My jaw dropped at the speed with which the priority cargo appeared and vanished. I was going to have to be a lot faster if I expected to land any priority cargoes. The three of us sat there for nearly half a stand, and nothing else notable jumped onto the screen. At some point, the chief ambled out of the cabin and refilled his mug. Shower's fixed, Cap. Should be a mite better now, it should. Thanks, Chief. Uh, we topped off on fluids. Oh, aye, we are that. Yes, we are. We use so little, I'd be surprised if and were not topped by now, I would. Excellent, Chief. Thanks. Welcome, Cap. Very welcome. He wandered off the mess deck and headed aft toward engineering. Ms. Arione roused herself and stood. Well, if you're sure you won't need me this afternoon, Captain, I think I would like to go ashore a bit and stretch my legs while I can. When do we need to be back aboard? If you could be back by ten hundred tomorrow, Miss Arione, if nothing else, I'm leaning towards snagging a couple of these low-value cargoes just for the sake of getting us moving. Sitting here isn't making any money, and even if we don't do much more than break even on these, it's less expensive than sitting on shore power for another day. Makes sense, Skipper. You need anything while I'm ashore? Just more Moscow morning, but we'd have to go and get it because I don't think he delivers. I shook my head. It'll keep. We've got plenty of Jartmo Arabasti. Okay, Skipper. I'm going to go change, and I'll let you know before I leave the ship. She gave a little wave and headed off the mess deck. And then there were two, Ms. Maloney muttered. I snickered quietly and sat waiting, my hand on the book button. I really want a nap, Ms. Maloney said, but I think I'll wait until she's not aboard. Problems, Ms. Maloney? No, Captain. She's a very considerate roommate. It's just that she'll be in there getting ready to go, and that doesn't bode well for getting any sleep. I can see that all right. About six new cargoes flashed on the screen. The third from the top was 200 tons of computer boards with a respectable bonus on it. I punched the button to book the cargo and rapidly typed in the ship IDs for verification. We waited for a short eternity before it refreshed on the screen as booked, and I started to cheer before I realized that a different ship had it. Drat. You didn't get it, Captain. I pointed out the notation on the screen that showed the winning bidder. Oh. It was a simple rejoinder, but one which carried freight. While we waited, I loaded the ship IDs and codes so that when I pressed the book button again, it would, with any luck, actually book. We sat there for maybe a quarter stand before Ms. Arione came back down the passage and stuck her head into the galley. I'm off now, Captain. Good luck, you two. Have fun, Ms. Arione. Stay out of trouble. Remember, I can't leave my ship without my bodyguard, so don't get arrested. I won't be able to get you out. I grinned a bit evilly, but it was in good fun. 
She laughed and waved. In a tick, we heard the lock cycling as she left the ship. Ms. Maloney stood up. That's my cue, Captain. I don't know how you're managing to do it, but after last night, I can barely keep my eyes open. I laughed softly. I'm only doing it by force of will, Miss Maloney, sharpened by a sense of desperation. She smiled. Good hunting, Captain. Thank you, Miss Maloney. She turned and strode off the mess deck. I sat back in my chair. Sitting there poised over the button was only going to put me to sleep if I didn't do something soon. While I watched, I tried to think of things I'd forgotten. One of the problems with using my tablet to display the query was that I couldn't use it for other things. I needed to keep it keyed to the query screen and keep it refreshing. I wondered if the problem was the refresh rate and changed it to a bare minimum. I wasn't sure if it would make any difference, but I saved the change and watched the screen. The longer I sat there, the more demoralized I became. Intellectually, I knew that sometimes it took a couple of days to find a good cargo. Back during the cargo-picking contests on the Agamemnon, we'd sometimes try and fail dozens of times before we snagged one. Of course, we had days in which to search. Even at the shortest, we'd looked for several stands before the right cargoes had come our way. I glanced at the chrono and realized I'd been at it less than a stand. Unfortunately, Ms. Maloney was right. I was exhausted, and I had a difficult time keeping my eyes focused on the screen in front of me. The longer I sat there, the more convinced I was that I just needed to put it down and get some sleep. I could, after all, keep an eye on it during dinner, and in the evening, if I could grab a couple of hours' sleep now. I sighed, gave up the search, and reached forward to kill the query. Just as I did, a 300-cubic-meter load massing 180 metric tons of the 50-day priority to Welliver dropped on the top of the screen. Instead of canceling the query, my finger went to book. For ten agonizing seconds, I waited until the screen came back, showing that I'd booked the load. I smiled, killed a link with the screen, and unloaded the available cargo's data. All the while, I couldn't help but think it would have worked a lot better with the screen linked to a real console. I dragged myself up and across the passageway to the cabin and dropped onto my bunk. I was too tired to care that I still wore my ship suit. Thanks for listening to Owner's Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the solar clipper. Music is Larry O'Gaff, a traditional tune performed by Ragtime Larry and Tom Joad and is used with permission of the artists. You can find this and other works by Ragtime Larry and Tom Joad on the Internet Archive at www.archive.org. This has been a presentation from Dorandis, offered under a Creative Commons Attribution No Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 U.S. License. For more information about the book, the author, and the golden age of the Solar Clipper, visit www.solarclipper.com. Music